Well, good morning. I believe that God isn't finished with you yet. I believe that God has something more in store for you that is yet to come than all that has come before. I believe God has been preparing us over the last number of years, not for something radically new. I mean, we've had these four years of staffing transition, but I've had 18 years of ministry here, and Community Church has been around for 156 years, and the church is going on 2,000 plus. So we're not looking for something radically new. But I do believe that there's something that is next. Building on what God has been doing over the past four, or the past 18, or the past 156, or the past 2,000 and change, I believe God is calling us as a church into the next chapter of His plans and purposes for us. And I can't wait to discover just what it is. But even as we approach an idea like that God might have something more for us, something next for us, it's also important that as we look for that, we approach that with the right posture. A posture of humility before the Lord. A posture of listening to Him. A posture of faith and expectancy that God does speak, that He has things to say, that He wants to guide and direct us. And maybe even a willingness to follow Him wherever He might lead. And oh, isn't it that last one that gives us some trouble? A willingness to follow Him wherever He leads. If there's one thing I've learned in all my years as a Christian, it's this, that following Jesus is actually hard. I mean, for one thing, it's too costly. It involves personal sacrifice, and who really wants that? Putting God first often involves giving up things that have value to us. It involves reorienting our priorities, and we're saying, wait, I don't want to give up those things, or, or what do you mean your plans are better than my plans? We have to give up things we think have value on the hope and the promise that what God offers has eternal value. Sometimes it's a little costly to follow Jesus. Sometimes following Jesus just seems impossible. Things to which God calls us are so far beyond what we can ask or imagine. Like, how could you possibly ask that of me? It, it defies logic and reason. Even involving unspeakable personal risk. And you say, I, I can't do that. You don't understand, Lord. That's impossible. And honestly, sometimes I just feel too old to follow Jesus. Yeah, so everyone who's older than me just laughed at me. And Jake just nodded his head. To some in this room, I'm still a young pup. But I've got arthritis in my hands. My back is sore all the time. And I just don't have the energy I used to. I tried jumping rope with Jeremiah on the back deck, and I attempted a double under, and then had to go inside and sit down. And rest, and I couldn't catch my breath. But it's not just chronological age we're talking about either. You can be old of heart. You know what I mean by that? Like just weary from life, from what God has brought you through up to this point, and you just say, I feel a little old, God. <laughs> Isn't it easier just to leave all this following Jesus crazy stuff to the young people? 
think God has a word for our church this morning. And it comes from, you know, the Bible. Go figure. It's what we do here. We look at this book. And this book contains the stories of men and women of faith. Stories of God calling and saying, I have something next for you. And people responding. And some of them even respond well. And a lot of them don't. But they are stories that teach us about who God is, how He's at work in the world, through whom He works in the world. And it is usually surprising, to say the least. So this morning, we're going to look at a character from the Bible. And this He's early in the Bible. Like This is way before Jesus comes. This is way before King David ruled all Israel. This is before Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. There's a man named Abraham. And we find his story in Genesis chapter 12, at least the first part of his story, we find in Genesis chapter 12. And actually, at this point in the story, he's not even called Abraham yet. He's just called Abram. God changes his name later. At this point, God calls Abram. He says, Abram, I have something next in store for you. Follow me. The problem is, the invitation God offers is costly, it's completely impossible, and quite frankly, Abraham is just too old. But yet, we see clearly in this text that it is never too late for God to begin the next chapter. It is never too late for God to begin the next chapter. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. If you have a black pew Bible, it is page 9. Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to be reading from verses 1 through 5. We find these words. Even my eyes are gone. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated, all the people they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. They arrived there. The word of the Lord. You see, Abram received a call from the Lord. The Lord said, I have a next chapter for you, Abram. Come with me into the next chapter of life. We might think, oh, if only God would speak to us that clearly. Like with sentence structure, audible voices, proper punctuation. Only God would call me and invite me into life with Him. But if He spoke that way, would you be ready for it? If He asked for what was too costly or too impossible or too, too, what if you felt too old? Because look at Abram. Look at what God asked of Abram. What do I mean when I say it is too costly? Well, we can think about cost in a number of different realms. You can think about cost just flat out financially, right? It actually costs to follow Jesus. I mean, it might mean tithing 
which is like a weird concept. And financial planners say, you're doing what with 10% of your income? It, it might mean giving up a more comfortable lifestyle in order to invest in the things of God's kingdom purpose. It might mean when God calls, you have to walk away from something like a pension. You might have to take a penalty on withdrawing retirement savings too early. The idea of golden handcuffs, right? You get locked into a career and you stay because you can't afford to give up what you would lose if you left the career. If God were to call you out of the rat race. Now, caveat. You have responsibilities. Many of you have families and people that depend on you. So having a job is a good thing. And you need to provide for yourself, for your family, even for your community. And staying in your job is honorable until that job becomes an excuse for not following Jesus. It can be costly to follow Jesus. That's just the money side, though. Think of the heart and relationship and how costly it can be to follow Jesus and the relationships that you have. Some of you know how hard it is when no one else in your family loves Jesus. And there's even antagonism towards the name of Jesus as you try and live your life of faith following Him. It might mean giving up a boyfriend or a girlfriend who isn't following Jesus. It could mean giving up sex outside of marriage so that you can honor Christ. It could mean giving up where you work. It could mean moving from the neighborhood in which you live, the city that you call home, even the relationships you've built at church. It can be a matter of the heart. That can be costly to follow Jesus. It can also be costly from just a, an uprooting standpoint, right? If God actually does call you to leave Gloucester or the North Shore, He's done that with far too many people recently. Or leaving New England and going somewhere else where they talk funny. Or leaving the East Coast and the sunrise. Leaving the United States altogether. Leaving everything that might be comfortable or safe or known. If God showed up and called you to follow Him the way He called Abram, it was costly. Would you do it? Would you be willing to? And this is one reason why Abram's totally my hero. Because you look back at chapter 12, verse 1 with me, and you look at what God actually called Abram to. Verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. And we're like, isn't that poetic? That's terrifying, actually. Go from your country, God says. That means leave your safety, your familiarity, your comfort, your, where you are established and secure. That's all really nice. Leave it behind. He says, leave your people. That means your, your culture, your sense of belonging, your place in the world. He says, Leave your father's household. That's your family. That's where you are known. That's the source of your identity. Even your reputation in community. And go somewhere where I'm not even going to tell you where it is yet. Well, there goes control. And that might be hardest to yield of all. What do you mean, you'll tell me later where we're going? It was going to cost Abram everything. And I wonder, I wonder if I would actually have the courage or would it be too costly to enter the next chapter of what God wants to do in my life? But for Abram, the safety and the comfort of staying the same paled in comparison to the hope of following the Lord. Even to some unknown place apart from his family and his people and his country, 
Abram traded it all. His safety, his sense of belonging, his comfort, his ease. His very identity and his trajectory in the world. The whole thing seemed too costly. But he traded it all for the next chapter. As though Abram was saying, look, it's never too late for God to begin the next chapter of my life. But for Abram, it wasn't just that it was costly. right? It was also pretty much impossible what God was promising him. If you go back into chapter 12 and you look in verse 2 where God is actually speaking about the promise He's making to Abram, it's an impossible promise. Here's verse 2, and I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you'll be a blessing. And you're like, that sounds fantastic, Lord. Except for this make you into a great nation part. How does that work? Because to be made into a great nation means that you will have many children and those children will have children and their children's children will have children and eventually you become this great nation. There's only one problem and we found out about it if you had been reading through Genesis. You find out about it in the verses just before our text this morning. In chapter 11, the last couple of verses, verse 29 says, the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. So about that promise, Lord, how's that going to work? Because that's just impossible. But it didn't seem to phase Abram. It sure phased his wife. By chapter 18, Abram, Sarah, well past the age of childbearing, God comes right out and says that your wife, Sarah, will have a son. It is impossible for her to conceive. Sarai even laughs and says, Oh, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? <laughs> impossible. Yet nothing's impossible with God. And by chapter 21, Sarai gives birth to a son and calls him Isaac, which literally means to laugh. You know what else is impossible? Jesus rising from the dead. You know what else is impossible? The Holy Spirit living in you and I, bringing about character change and the courage to follow God wherever He leads. We are quick to write off the impossible. Just, just because what? It's not possible? What if God wants us to aim for the impossible in our lives? What if God is calling us to reconcile a friendship that we have written off because there is no hope that we'll ever be able to mend that bridge? What if God is calling us to, to invest in a marriage that is flailing and floundering? What if, what if God is calling us to something that it, from every human vantage point, we just say, well, that can't be what God is asking because that's impossible. When all hope seems lost, when wholeness seems impossible, we see in Abram's story that God does the impossible. And that it is never too late for God to begin the next chapter in our lives. So it might be too costly. It might seem completely impossible. Or you might just think you're too old. I mean, Abram was just plain old. Now why is being old problematic? I mean, we've already talked a little bit about it. As we age, you know, changes come, less energy, lower stamina and endurance. 
The body begins to wear out with aches and pains and joints and heartburn at every meal and you get winded going up and down the stairs and you're tempted to think, I put in my time. It's too late for God to do something new in my life. I'm old now, so it's up to those young fellers. Or, or maybe you've succumbed to the retirement myth. That idea that says once you reach a certain age, you can just do whatever you want. You can retire to Florida and play shuffleboard. Or that for somehow you, you, somehow you might not be of any further use to the kingdom of God. Or maybe you're old as a heart condition. That your spirit is weary. You're beaten down by life, circumstances. Even the, re- the results or the consequences of our own choices that you've got spiritual arthritis. It hurts to approach God. And you're deeply entrenched in exhaustion. We look at Abram in our text. That's actually the beauty of what we read here. If you look down at verse 4, you see that Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out. 75 years old when God started this next chapter in his life. 75 years old is when he could have put his feet back and said, actually, I'm pretty much good now. But instead the Lord says, wait, 75? My son, this is just the beginning. The Bible is full of examples of God calling and using older people to accomplish His kingdom purposes. To experience the next chapter of life with Him. Okay, Abram was 75. You're like, yeah, but that's one example. Okay, consider Moses. He's pretty famous too. Moses was 40 when he fled Egypt. And then he tended his father-in-law's flock to Midian for another 40 years. So that means by the time Moses sees a bush on fire but not being consumed and encounters the living God, he's 80 years old. Moses is 80 when God says, it's time. I'm about to do something that the world has never seen before and I'm going to do it through you. At 80. Or even in the New Testament, consider Zechariah and Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1, they're both old. The Bible says, well beyond childbearing years. And yet God calls them into the next chapter of His kingdom purposes. They give birth to a son, which is crazy. It's impossible, costly, and really, really old. And that son is named John. He becomes John the Baptist and he prepares the way for Jesus. Our culture and maybe even our church has got it wrong. You see, as people get older, there's this thing called wisdom. And it comes from life experience. And it finally settles in. And I'm hoping I get some of it by 90 or 95. And yet we seem to marginalize those who are of advanced age. We collectively ignore their stories, their history, their wisdom. And us youngsters, we're free to flail around with all the energy and drivenness of youth, full of sound and fury, but signifying nothing. Such arrogance. Even, dare I say, stupidity. To ignore the wealth of wisdom. Too old? It is never too late. 
God to begin the next chapter in our lives. So Abram's issue. Well, it's too costly. Didn't seem to face him. It's too impossible. Eh, not a problem with God. And I'm too old. But let's do it anyway. So how did Abram respond to the Lord? If you go back to verse 4, so Abram went. I love that one. That's it. You don't even need to go any further. Abram went. As the Lord had told we can go further. As the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old and he set out from Haran. And he took his wife and his possessions and his people and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. He went for it. He incurred tremendous costs leaving his country, his people, family yielding control over his future. He believed God for the impossible against all hope and logic and he was old. Sometimes that's just when God gets started in our lives. The result is that Abram received tremendous personal blessing. If you go back to the blessing part of the text, verses 2 and 3, Abram, the promise was very personally and to Abram that he would be made into a great nation, that God would bless him and make his name great. We're still talking about him today. And that he would be a blessing. There is a tremendous personal blessing that Abram received for stepping out into the unknown, into the next chapter of what God wanted to do. But the, the end of the blessing is that all people on earth would be blessed through him. That all people on earth would eventually be blessed through Abram's line. And if you go to Matthew chapter 1 and you just start where Matthew starts, he's like, Abram became the father of Isaac, who became the father of Jacob, who became the father of Joseph. And we're all thinking, oh, those, those genealogies we all get bored reading. But if you actually follow it through, all the way down through King David, all the way down, all the way down to Joseph, who is the father of Jesus, the Savior of the world. When we look at the obedience that Abram did, and that all peoples on earth will be blessed through Him, it is nothing less than Jesus, our Lord, who is the result of Abram's obedience. The one who would offer forgiveness through His blood and new life in His name. I think what I'm saying is it's worth it. No matter what the cost, No matter how impossible it seems, it's worth it. And no matter how old you are, whether that be of chronological age or age of your spirit, of your heart, it's worth it. Because it's never too late for God to begin the next chapter. It is never too late for God to begin the next chapter. So this morning, I want to ask you to reflect on sort of these three aspects of what it means to follow the Lord. In fact, for some of us, these are barriers to following the Lord. You know, when you think it might be too costly, 
If the Lord showed up and said, I've got the next chapter. It's ready for you. Let's go. Would it be the cost that would stop you? Yeah, but I really like my life, Lord. I like my stuff. I like my motorcycle. I like the place I live by the ocean. I like the safety in the relationships that I have. I like not having to resolve that relationship because it's a lot easier without it. Would it be the cost that would stop you? Sometimes it feels like it's too costly to follow Jesus. Or maybe it would just seem impossible. Lord, you don't know how long it's been since I've spoken to my mother. It's been 22 years. It's impossible to reconcile after that period of time. You don't know, Lord, how, how impossible it is that I'd actually be able to purchase a house somewhere on the North Shore. Have you seen the price? Lord, you don't know how impossible it is to be able to care for and provide for my family. You don't know how impossible it is to get through finals. Sometimes, living faithfully to Jesus seems impossible. So far beyond us that you dare not even believe it. Or maybe it's that you feel too old. Either in years or in heart years. It's kind of like dog years, but for your heart. And the question is, which of these barriers are standing in your way? Which one of them threatens to derail you as God says, I've got the next chapter waiting for you? Now, I should also say that that next chapter can look very, very different in different seasons of life and different, different moments, even in a church's story. Right? For some of us, it might mean you know what? We're actually called to go somewhere. To pick up. To uproot. You know, this is the classic, Lord, please don't send me to China. Please don't send me to China. And the Lord says, you're going to China. And you're like, ah, darn. He doesn't do that, by the way. But the idea of uprooting your life in order to follow the calling of God. Some of us will be called to go. And we've seen that happen again and again, even at this church. And we send people out with joy and mumbling under our breath. But for some of us, it actually might be called to stay. You know, sometimes that's even harder. Either being the ones who are left behind or having to stay in that job, that's just really, really hard. Whether it's the relationship, but you know you need to provide for your family. You know you need to be able to... So you stay. That might be the next chapter God has for you. Or maybe God, you might even just be called to wait. You know what God's calling you to, and now what you're waiting for is the timing. And the timing is taking a little longer than you thought it should. Maybe the Lord is simply calling you to wait. So I think what's happening here is, is that we need to understand that God sees each of us right where we are, and that He knows you personally and intimately, and no matter where you are with Him, I'm confident of this much, He's not finished with you yet. In fact, if we take the example of Scripture, He might just be ready to start. Pay attention to Him. Seek Him. As you pray, Absolutely unload your heart, your cares, your concerns, but also listen. Tune into the Spirit's voice. 
See what God has to say specifically to you in your life, in your situation. Let's be a people who are listening for the Lord's call. Let's be a people who are expectantly waiting for God to speak. Let's be a people who are ready to follow wherever He leads. No matter the the cost, no matter how impossible it seems, and no matter how old we get. Because it is never too late for God to begin the next chapter of our lives together. Father, we thank You for even this account of Abram and Your call in his life. And I thank You for the example that he set. How crazy it is. I thank You for the reminder that nothing is actually crazy to You. Especially when You're behind it and You're calling us to it. So Father, I pray for Your dramatic or subtle intervention in each of our lives. God, we have to be a people who expect You to speak. And even anticipating that, we want to be a people who are ready to respond when You do. God, give us courage. Courage to, to be willing to pay whatever the cost to follow You. Give us faith to believe that nothing is impossible for God. And so convince us of your personal love for each one of us. Let me know that there's no such thing as being too old or too weary for you not to do a new and next work in our lives. Thank you for being that kind of a God who is worthy of our worship and our lives. Make us a people who are willing to step into whatever next chapter you have. You and your love.